Morning, everybody. If you don't know who I am, my name is Stuart. Um, uh, I'm the handsome one out of the leadership team and uh, very humble and, uh, and uh, wonderful in, in, in every way. But um, just say hello to someone who's next door to you and in that spirit, just say you're wonderful too. Can we have our first? It's crashed. Um, so we've got some slides uh, coming and they'll be just coming up in a moment. But just as an introduction then, um, uh, then the theme that's really on my heart is, is very much in the, in the theme of you know, living the dream, which is the series we're in at the moment, which is one that's anchored in destiny. Yeah. Every single one of us has, has a destiny. You're here for a purpose. Yeah. Amen? You're not here by accident. You aren't an accident. Doesn't matter what your parents thought when, when something was happening, all special cuddles and stuff. You are on purpose by God here for a purpose. Amen? You are extremely special to those who are around you, but you are fabulously special to your Father in heaven who loves you and whose son, Jesus Christ, came to die for you because he so loved the world, he so loved you that he came to save you. You are greatly loved. You are, your part of your purpose is you are a target for the love of heaven. Yeah. Amen? You are especially amazingly important yeah. to God who loves you. Yeah. You are amazing. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So you can sit there and say, I am amazing. Yeah. So turn to that person that you said, you're amazing, and then turn around to them and say, I'm amazing too. Now, sometimes we do some silly things. Sometimes we embarrass ourselves. Sometimes we do lots of silly things. But fundamentally, God, our Heavenly Father, loves us. Amen. And our purpose, part of our purpose, is to receive that love, but also to respond to that love and that purpose that he has given us. Amen? So we have destiny. Uh, I have one, question mark. Um, uh, and, and, you, and you need that secure in your heart that I'm here for a purpose. That I'm here also not just to be a, a target of his love, but I'm actually a target of his purposes here in the, in the earth realm. I'm here to raise the sick. I'm here to let the will of the Lord prosper in my hand. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. Amen? I'm here to do the will of our Father. I'm here to be part of what he's doing in these last days. Amen? I'm not here just to have a nice time. Some of it involves labor and work and effort and sacrifice. But I, I have a destiny. I have a purpose in Christ. And, uh, and, and it's important that I understand that that is something that he is taking me on. Now, um, uh, uh, next slide, please. Uh, destiny is all about Star Wars, if you know your, if you know your movies. Uh, Luke, I am your father, uh, uh, and together we can overthrow the evil emperor, and that's your destiny, Luke, and all this sort of um, guff. It was a film. Um, uh, uh, and although, you know, I wish I had Jedi powers, it's still a film. Um, uh, Sandra, be my slave, would be a lovely Jedi power mind trick. <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, tried it many times, and uh, I beg your pardon, whack, and uh, get, uh, get back into your place. You're meant to love me as Jesus loved the church. Um, but uh, so uh, I have, uh, every single one of us, um, you know, has a destiny. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away called America, uh, uh, Sandra and I went to Bible school uh, when we were in our 
uh, mid 20s, I think, wasn't it? Late 20s. Late 20s. Um, so, um, uh, so not that long ago, really. And um, uh, and uh, when we were there, then there was this young preacher called Rick Godwin, who's much older now. Uh, and he, uh, you know, you might have come across him on God Channel and books and things. But he came to the Bible school that we were at and preached a series called Training for Reigning. He then turned it into a book. And because we'd been such amazing students, he then sold millions of the books. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's there if you want to pick it up. And it's a, it's a series that I teach in, in our Bible school here. Because d- understanding that destiny is a place, but also destiny is a process. You, you can ar- arrive at somewhere, and then, w- then what do you do? Uh, our destiny in Christ never ends. Yeah. Uh, the process that he takes us on grows us up and continues to grow us up. We are in his destiny every day. It's not like I'm going from here to, um, to York or something, and I've arrived at my destiny when I get to York. The moment I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, I am in his destiny for my life. I am in a process which is taking me to a place, but in that process, in that moving, then I am already in the right place and in a place. It's not something that I aspire to. It's something that I am given. Everything in Christianity is a gift. It's not by labor. It's by his spirit. It's not by work. It's not by might. It's by his spirit. By what Jesus did on the cross, he has given me purpose and destiny. And I need to align myself to that because otherwise I'm in conflict with it. And if you're in conflict with something, then you don't bear the fruit of it. So, uh, next slide, please. Um, so destiny, uh, as we sort of saw there, is, is uh, a journey. Um, and Jesus had a journey. He had a, uh, he had a journey. He was always in the perfect will of the Father, but he was on a journey from A to B. He started in Bethlehem. He didn't uh, he didn't do miracles and things to begin with. He started and had to go on a process of essentially establishing character, improving that character in his own life, and then seeing the manifestation of the purposes uh, of heaven. Now, uh, what are you chatting about? So uh, uh, they're putting me off. Everyone else go boo these two at the front. They're putting me off. Bet you don't tolerate. Bet you don't, don't tolerate this in school, do you? So, um, something carried Jesus into all authority, and it was a it was a process. Now, there's there's in the in the Bible, there's lots of people that you can see this process of, and the one I want to pick out is David, King David, went through a process. He started in Bethlehem as well. He started in a process and actually came to a place where he became King David. He started off as little boy David in a, in a family that was essentially a farming family. He then became, through a process, he became King David and became part and a key part of the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, came, he became the establisher of Israel as, as its promised that was made to Moses and to Abraham that the land that would be spread from this to and all the rest of it, it was King David that saw the establishment of that promise. King David is an absolutely pivotal figure um, in the Old Testament. And so we just want to want look uh, very quickly at him. Uh, and so next slide, please. And uh, pardon? that one. So he had four stages in his life. And as we go through this teaching, then it's very practical in terms of its understanding. But where I want to get to by the end of it is a place that is spiritual. 
because some of us are struggling with who we are in Jesus, where am I at in my journey, and I'm having a tough time at the moment. So there's some people, this is what God's put on my heart, is that there are some people in this room who you need just a touch of the hand of heaven on you this morning in your journey, in where you are at in your destiny, because God is wanting to release something in you. Because God is wanting to bring you into a bigger pasture. He's wanting to bring you into an open door season where things happen and are released for you. This is where you're, you're at in your life. And you just need someone to come alongside you and stand with you and say, God is good and he is faithful and he will do it. Amen. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time at the end. So catch a the teaching of this, but really my heart is catch the spirit of this is that God is the God of breakthrough. We're here in Sydney World and in Kingswood, not because we have nice comfy seats. I didn't like those grey seats in Bridlington Avenue. I love these, uh, I, I love these uh, big red comfy seats. We're not here because we've got big red comfy seats. We're here because we want breakthrough. We're here because we went through a crossing over season. We're here because we believe that God is going to do something significant in Kingswood and something significant in Hull. And I want to be part of that, not an observer of it. Amen. And I have a part to play in it, not an observation of it. And to say, yes, it worked or no, it didn't. I knew it was going to be difficult. I don't want to be a commentator on what's happening. I want to be a contributor in making it happen. That's my destiny. And that's the destiny of every person who is sat in this room. And you can be coming into that, being full in the, the thick of it or be a leader of it. Your destiny is not the position you hold. The destiny is that the destiny that we all have that is in common is that we are in a process of progression. And every single one of us, doesn't matter whether your role is one inch tall or 10,000 feet tall, you are significant in this place because God has destined you for something amazing. Amen. We want to see the dead raised. We want to see the sick healed. We want to see the broken hearted um, healed. We want to see those who are held in chains set free. We want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and people come to a living and loving knowledge of who Jesus is. Not a thought thing, but a spirit reality. And every single one of us has a part to play on that journey. And every single one of us, as we go on that journey, will grow in who we are in our revelation and knowledge of Jesus Christ for myself. Amen? Welcome to breakthrough. Welcome to destiny. This is what we want for our lives. Amen? You're going to be bigger. Well, actually, I'm getting smaller because I'm on a diet because I ate too much over Christmas. Um, uh, my wife cooks very nice food um, uh, and I have no self-control. But I'm actually getting smaller. But we as a church are getting bigger. You as an individual Christian are getting bigger. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to do miracles in 2015. Now, miracles is just what you can't do and that you need God to turn up to make it happen. It doesn't need to be raise the dead. It just needs to be, I get a new job. That's called a miracle if you can't do it yourself. I need God to turn up in my life and make something spectacular happen that isn't happening. That's called a miracle. I need, I don't, but I'm maybe exaggerating, making it a point for you. I need a husband. Because uh, I've got a wife and I don't have that disposition in my life. Uh, but you might need a husband. You might need a miracle. You might need God to turn up in your life and something to happen. You might need your boyfriend to actually ask the question that you've been desiring him to ask. 
You need a miracle for him to wake up to see how wonderful you are. We need miracles in daily life. We need God to turn up in our daily lives. Life is not something that you wander through and it's just this is boring life and that you get to 70, 80, 90 or whatever it is and then you fall off this mortal coil and you go, well, that was adequate. That's not the destiny that we have in Jesus. Every single one of us is called to go through life and go, wow. And it was, it was hard and it was impossible. God turned up. I was amazed. That is our testimony and that is our story that every single one of us is going to tell in Jesus' name. We're not here to have boring church. We're not here just to turn up and sing some songs. Now, wasn't the singing this morning fabulous? I just loved, oh, awesome. Wandered off to the back there and it was just, oh, lovely presence of the God. Came back down here, oh, amazing presence of God. God is everywhere. Just amazing. And there's just this, just we are here not to have just a boring, adequate, mediocre life. Are we? We're here because God is amazing. And we want together as a group to learn and grow how amazing God is. Grasp more of that and grasp more of that and grasp more of that. Grab a few people and pull them into it and all the rest of it. And we just want to have a God fest. Amen? He is above all things. He is my Lord and my Savior, my Redeemer, my King, my goal, my everything. And I want to encounter that. Amen? That's my destiny. My destiny, your destiny, is found in Jesus Christ. And we're just going to have an amazing time in him. Amen? It's not about sitting in comfy seats. It's about having, we want God encounters. We want his miracles turning up in our lives. And we, I want that growing revelation of who he is in my life. Amen? So, David went through, so this is very practical, these steps. Uh, but uh, this, this, is, this is life and death stuff. As in like spiritual life and death stuff so there's four stages that david went through the first stage was being proved faithful in in the natural things and practical things in bethlehem being a shepherd all that sort of stuff uh, beating up lions and bears and protecting the sheep and grabbing the sheep that were being nicked by the by the bear to, to bring them back the second one um uh, he's entered as becomes successful and then uh, falls or saul falls out with with him and essentially he goes into a form of exile now all these places uh, bethlehem adullam hebron uh, uh, city and and zion uh, are all actually very very close geographically the, the, the distances between them are always tiny this isn't about going on you know hundreds of miles of pilgrimage or anything this is about the personal journey that David went on as he grew into who he uh, was called to be so Adjulam uh, was essentially a, a place of uh, exile and all the the, the runaways uh, uh, went there and then the third place was Hebron which is the naturally the highest place in, in Israel so it's in the mountains it's in the hard to place hard to get place and then there was taking Zion um, uh, which uh, obviously became known as the city of David as, as Jerusalem and you know an absolutely core and central to it so these are the four steps that we're just going to walk through very quickly as to uh, this story uh, of David's uh, walk through his destiny all of them have messages for us as individuals, and they certainly have messages for us as a church. And I want to pick out the two in the middle, um, Adjulam and Hebron, as the two that really speak to us where we're at as a church. For you as an individual, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize probably all of the four steps that go in your life, because they aren't purely linear. They, they are sort of a little bit more jumbled, but they do tend to go from a um, top to bottom, left to right, whichever way uh, you, you're facing things. So, uh, next slide, please. 
So, uh, in practical things. Um, so Bethlehem and being faithful in natural things. Two parts to it. The first one, uh, I'll use my notes. Um, so when Samuel anointed David in, in Bethlehem, he wasn't, he wasn't the done deal. He was just sat there as the shepherd boy. There was something that was on his life. When God turned up to you and said, I anoint you with my love and my grace and my spirit. He, he didn't say you're all perfect and wonderful. He said absolutely the opposite. You're, you are who you are. And I love you and accept you for who you are. And I put all my love, all my grace, all my anointing and all my spirit upon you to equip you for what is coming ahead because you are going to do great things. Amen? Amen? That's true for every single person in this room, whether you know Jesus or whether you don't. He loves you. And he's got a destiny for you to be a co-heir with Christ one day. For you to rule and reign with heaven in him. You have an amazing destiny with him. And he is taking you on a journey. Some of that journey will be here on earth. Some of that journey will be after uh, we die and we go to be with him. But every single one of us, wherever we are at, he loves you. And he wants to put that anointing mark upon you and say, you are mine. And you've got amazing things in front of you. The, uh, the second bit I just want to pull out. Spiritual revelation starts in natural things. Doing, looking after uh, the tech team. The tech team are learning spiritual truths in pulling cables week in, week out. They do an amazing job. I don't know if, you're, if you sort of see you know, the work that they do in the hours beforehand and the hours afterhand. Uh, the camera team, the practical teams, the, the stewarding, um, you know, uh, grace upon them for, for lime green t-shirts. And uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, children's workers, um, a lot of it is just called work. It's just called doing practical things. But in that, then God is growing us up in spiritual things. Because when it came to David's breakthrough moment, which was with Saul, but most importantly before Goliath, he'd learned a spiritual truth. God does never, he never, never abandons me and he never, never lets me down. If he's going to deliver me from the hand uh, of the lion and, the, and the, the paw of the bear, if God is going to deliver me in those natural situations where I'm just looking after the sheep, then he's going to deliver me in the front of this, this giant when you're facing your spiritual giants, if you've gone on a journey that says, I found God in the practical, then you are equipped for the spiritual. In the natural things, don't despise them. As you're doing the routine things of setting up and setting down, don't despise them in your heart because that will rob you of what God is te teaching you. Love the little things, love the practical things, because God teaches us and trains us and raises us up. So when you have your Goliath moments, you can say, then uh, whatever God has taught you in that, you can take that to your Goliath moment and say, God will never, never let me down. Amen? Goliath moments then happen and release you into, into future phases. Amen? Next slide, please. Um. In the natural things, um, I just want to pull this out. Uh, and this was Jesus talking about the shrewd manager. Um, uh, I haven't got time for it in Luke 16, but basically just this, this, this bad manager of someone else, of a, his master's possessions. And uh, his master was coming back and he was going to get found out. 
So we thought, right, ooh, what, what can I do to actually try and give myself you know, the best opportunity after my, after my master sacks me? He then does a few things, and then Jesus pulls out three lessons. The first lesson is that whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. If you can be trusted to turn up with the tech team early, then you'll be trusted with very much. If you can be trusted in your workplace not to steal pens and pencils, you will be trusted with very much. If you can be trusted by God to give you your tithe while you're earning peanuts, he'll trust you with your tithe when you're earning loads and he'll want to give you loads because God wants to release money into the earth realm. He wants to fund his church and he needs generous hearts to prosper. So who is he looking for? People who don't steal pens and pencils. People who pay their tithes and give, give offerings and help the poor and help the needy when they've got diddly squat. And it might be just one pound, two pounds, three pounds, but it's a heart issue, not an absolute amount issue. Because if you can be found trustworthy with a little, God is looking for people who he can give a lot to. Your employer at work is looking who, can I, who is faithful with the little things because as an employer, you're always looking who can handle more. And if this person can be faithful and diligent in little things, then I can give them more and ultimately promote them and all that sort of stuff. Amen? So first lesson, whoever can be trusted with a little can be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with a little will be dishonest with much. Don't sit there and say it doesn't matter. It's only, I'm only pinching paper from work or I'm only pinching paper from college, or I'm only bypassing this on the photocopy machine at college, which then means I can get my photocopies for free. Woohoo! If you're being dishonest with a little, it's showing something of your character. It's not the absolute thing, whether you do it right or whether you do it wrong, it's whether you learn from it. If you are dishonest with things and you catch someone saying, hey, then let that be, welcome it as a conviction of the Holy Spirit and say, oops, I'll change. That's called character growth. It's not a case of being caught or not caught. It's saying, actually, all of these things are a character journey for me, and I'm on a character journey. Second one. Uh, <clears throat> if you can't handle worldly wealth to biblical scriptural standards, why should you be trusted with spiritual wealth? If you can't handle the money and the provision and the wealth of time or the wealth of I'm, uh, you can make great cakes, you can do something, you've got natural talents, natural gifts, natural money. Do you use that all for yourself or do you use that for others? God wants to give his gifts to generous hearts so it gets distributed. He tests, money tests you. I'll just be blunt for a minute. Money tells on you. Money tells your own heart where your own heart is at, but it also tells Jesus where your heart is at. And if your money and your heart is tight, and you're saying, Lord, I want to heal the sick. Lord, I want to be used in Bible school. Lord, I want to be used in my connect group and all the rest of it. He says, why should I give gifts to someone who is tight-fisted and selfish? Money tells on you nothing to do with how much you have you can have zero and still have a generous heart and find ways to help others because you'll probably have time or you'll have um, the ability to make cakes or the ability to do this or the ability to do whatever it is generous with yourself 
is a, is a wonderful way of saying, Lord, use me in spiritual things. Take me on my destiny journey. If you've been trustworthy with someone else's property, uh, he'll give you property of your own. If you're trustworthy in supporting someone else's connect group, uh, and this might be a dream or a nightmare for you, he'll give you your own connect group. <laughs> he'll give you your own uh, thing. If you support others, yeah. uh, he'll give you your own, your own thing. He'll promote you. People who, who know how to support others make much better leaders than those who don't. Amen? Next slide, please. So, <clears throat> David learned some stuff um, uh, at Bethlehem and went on his way and then came to a place, and then I think this is where we're going to just have to pause, which is in the place of Adullam. Uh, being faithful in, in the practical things allowed David to be promoted through his Goliath moment, became successful, all that sort of stuff. Saul fell out with him because he saw that he was becoming more popular with the people. And he fled to the caves of Adullam. Now, the caves at Adullam, uh, it was in a flat plain, so easy to get to, but actually very easy, as you can see. There's one of the caves at, uh, at Adullam, a picture of it. Uh, really easy to defend and hard to know where people were hiding and all the rest of it. And that's basically where David uh, uh, hid. Uh, next, sli next slide, please. Um, and so, uh, 1 Samuel 22, David left Gath and escaped. Um, and all those who were... Who were uh, discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. He became the commander of the discontented. Those who, who had complaints and who were robbers and thieves and all the rest of it. So David, who was prophesied to be king, had uh, essentially a bunch of malcontents who then became, and there was about 400 of them, and they all went to the caves at Adullam. Now the caves at Adullam, um, uh, they followed him because they were in need they were in debt. They were robbers. They had a price on their, their head. They had a set of needs and things, and they knew David was successful. So people came and followed David because of their need, and they knew that he was successful. What David learned in those caves at Adullam was that although he was being persecuted, he was being run down by Saul, his job that God was calling him to be was faithful in ministering to the needs of the others, even though he had needs. Every single maturing Christian has to go through this step of when you are in need, God will put needy people around you. And one of the, the tests of character, and it's not a pass-fail thing, this is a are you growing in it thing. Are you growing in your ability to look to others before you look to yourself? That's part of our destiny in who we are in Jesus. Part of our destiny in who we are as, as people is, can I give my time to this new believer who is full of needs and full of questions when I've got a busy schedule myself? Because that tells us something of our character, which says, is our character towards self or is my character towards wanting to bless others? The reason we're here in Kingswood is to bless others. Yeah. It's not to sit in red comfy seats, which I bless God for. Uh, we, are, we are called to bless not, uh, uh, and to be blessed. But in the giving and in the blessing, there is much release in, it, in itself. Okay? <clears throat> Next slide, please. <clears throat> I think we've covered uh, that. I think that middle bullet point, finding a tested sense of value and security in Christ is worth a load in who you are. 
when you stop wanting to do things for other people so they say, thank you, you're amazing, and you turn it into, I'm doing things for other people because I'm secure in Christ. That's, that's, there's, a, there's a moment of maturing that takes place that says, I'm secure in him, which allows you to be more of an open vessel. Because when I'm doing something for Rachel, I'm not looking for Rachel to say, wow, thank you, Stuart, that really helped me and blessed me. That's jolly nice when that happens, clue. Uh, but I'm doing it because I honor Jesus. And I know that Jesus loves me whether I do it or whether I don't. So I'm free to do it, but I choose to do it because love has worked something in my heart that says, for this little moment, the need that Rachel has, I'm going to choose to promote above my need. Doesn't It actually stays true that Sandra is far more important in my life than Rachel will ever be. Sandra's my wife, Rachel isn't. But there are moments when I will choose to promote someone else's need above my needs and above my family's need. Why? Because I will let love have a voice. Amen? Each of us is on that journey that says, I choose to make moments when others are more important than me. And it's the thing that grows us from being a bunch of needy people into a bunch of people who can minister the love of heaven. When we go on that journey, we go on that our destiny is found, is where we diminish self and we promote Jesus. We diminish self and we promote others. It's really simple. And unless you are finding avenues for that to happen, your destiny is stalling. Might not have stalled, but it is stalling. Christianity is about others. The gospel is about others. Clearly it's about me, because I need the love, all the love and grace that I can get. But it's about others. The world says it's all about you. The Bible says it's all about Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all that you have. Everything that is within me, bless his holy name. And then love others as you love yourself. And at times, choose to promote their needs above you. This is what Agilum was all about. Next slide, please. And then Hebron. Hebron was a, Agilum was an easy place to get to. Lots of people get to it. Hebron was a place that was up in the mountains. It was the highest place in, in natural Israel. Really tough to get to. It's even tough to get to today. Uh, nasty little windy roads, lots of rocks and all the rest of it. Now, Hebron is higher than Jerusalem. Uh, why is Hebron spiritually higher than actually the goal, which was Zion, which was Jerusalem? Because Hebron is all about relationship. Hebron is the place of where all the covenant fathers are buried. So it really speaks of relationship and covenant relationship, deep relationship. And we go in our journey as Christians and as a church where we go from being having to prove ourselves in the natural, we go from a place of it's all about need and me and all the rest of it, and I'm the most important one, and it's all about help, help me, 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 me. And it's a good service because I was blessed rather than because people got saved. And it was a good this because I had a happy time. It was a good prayer meeting because I enjoyed it. All that language starts to diminish. 
and it changes into something which is actually, it's about others in Agilum. What happens in Hebron, it's about purpose. In Hebron, they came, the people in Agilum came for their need. The people came to Hebron to make David king. When we start to come to church because we want to make Jesus king, something deeper happens. When we come to church and we start to serve one another because I see there's a destiny on Rachel's life and I want to be part of that little community of friends that's around Rachel that lifts her up and brings her into her destiny because I see the hand of God on her, it's not about me. It's not even about Rachel. It's about seeing the purpose of God fulfilled. Hebron is a place where we start to understand the significance of what God is doing in the church, but more importantly, in one another. That I want to be Rachel's friend because I see the hand of God upon her. And I can bring something that God has given me to help her achieve her destiny because there is significance on her in Jesus' name. That's called strong church. Because it's not about did we have a good meeting or a bad meeting. It's not did you upset me or did you not upset me. Did you do nice things for me or did you not do nice things for me. It's about I understand the significance of the days in which we live. And I choose to make Jesus king above all else. And I choose to promote others above myself. Because her in covenant, her goal becomes my goal. And I'm equally committed to her goal than I am to my goal. And if that's reciprocated, it's exactly the same the other way around. What cannot you do if love abounds? We're on a journey as a church. In that being faith, you're always being faith, having to be faith, found faithful in natural things. But we're on a journey that goes to a place of seeking to promote others' needs above my needs. Now, there's always times where you need to be selfish because sometimes crises goes on and all this sort of stuff. But this is where you grab your friends and you say, come and pray with me. But us as a journey, I believe as a church, we're going through that place of Hebron and Adullam together. And in Hebron, we're learning about what it means to love one another as Jesus loved the church. We're going through a journey. Why we're pushing connect groups It's why we're pushing Alpha. We're trying to get people connected. But people connections don't happen because of meetings. They happen because my heart says, I want to support and love and bless you above me. Where you're at in your journey of destiny is, is it's different for every single one of us in this room. But as a church, that's where we're going to. We're moving to a place of significance in relationships and significance in believing in one another and significance of I see the gift of God in you and I honor it. And even if you're grumpy to me, I still honor it. Even if you let me down, I still honor it because I see something of heaven in you. And I don't judge you, I see the mark of Jesus. And where Jesus is, I will be found there also. Amen? If your destiny feels stalled, and you're not engaged in that process, if you're not sitting there and saying, I'm recognizing these things in my life, can I make a suggestion? Ask yourself the question, is my destiny in Jesus stalled? You know I don't. 
Does my pursuing who I am in Christ and who I'm called to be and what I'm called to be a part of, does it need a Holy Spirit kick up the rear end? Does it need me just to say, Lord, refresh me and equip me and anoint me for 2015 that I may be one that adds his weight or her weight to seeing breakthrough in Kingswood in Jesus' name.